right. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. Can we all agree there are some weird people out there, right? Uh, particularly, there are some weird dads, some weird guys uh, out there, uh, but we love them, and we love you, and so we want to wish you uh, a happy Father's Day uh, today, and uh, we're glad that you're here uh, with your family. Uh, whatever your, your family uh, situation is in, every single one of us is welcome this morning, and you're in the right place because you are in God's house. There are a lot of different kind of dads out there, as we saw in the video. Some are a little odd. Uh, a lot of different kind of guys uh, out there. Some are s strong, super strong. Some are really smart. Some are funny. Some just think they're funny, uh, maybe, uh, like the guy you're sitting next to, maybe, uh, this morning. Some are younger. Uh, some are older in different seasons of life. But for the sake of today, I want to start us out with a question as you kind of watch that video and it got you thinking uh, a little bit. What does a real man look like? If I just ask that question and just what the first thing that came to mind, what does a real guy look like? There's lots of different kind of guys. What does a real dad look like, right? There's not a shortage of opinions out there about that. If you particularly look at our culture and if you just looked at media, let's say, for example, if you just looked at movies and TV shows, how would they describe what a real man is? Just think about that for a moment. And would you be that? Would you consider yourself that, guys, on this day that we're focusing not just on dads but really want to celebrate and lift up all men? I think it's important we ask that question. The world does not have a shortage of opinions on what a real man is. Maybe if you grew up in the 50s and 60s and you were watching the Westerns, it's, it's John Wayne, right, uh, out and doing the country Western thing, and he's the man, and he's got a big stogie in his mouth, and I'm a real man, right? And then maybe you've got a little bit later, a few decades later, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, right, and he's here to pump you up, right? And he's a real man. And now I hear these guys are, have you guys seen these guys are wearing these things called rompers? Have you seen these things? I don't know what's up with that, but anyway, I, there's a lot of, they're like one-piece things. I don't, if you were wearing that, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend you, but those are weird. Uh, there are some weird guys out there, and the question is, what makes a real man? Or maybe the better question is, what makes a better question is, what type of guy is God looking for? What type of man is God looking for? What type of woman is God looking for? I'll catch you afterwards, all right? We'll talk afterwards. Um, and sometimes... When we just look everywhere else for opinions, it can be really confusing. Guys, I don't know about you, but when you look around, it seems like everybody has an opinion about that. And so it's really important we go back to the source, we go back to our creator and see what he has to say. And we find our, our reading today in the book of Acts that you just heard read has some specific things to say for us on this Father's Day, not just about what it means to be a man of God, but it means to be a woman of God, somebody that's growing in maturity as well. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to follow along. Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. Acts chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, as always, please, please, please grab one on the way out. We want every single person to walk in here every single morning with a Bible. That is yours for the taking. We would encourage you to grab that. So take out your Bible app or your, your Bible and uh, follow along. Acts chapter 6. We're in this summer series called The Summer of Acts. Everybody say Acts. Acts is one of my favorite books. It's the first book right after the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts should really chronologically come right after Luke. It's kind of Luke part two because Luke, uh, the physician, is the writer. And so he's writing as they're following Jesus. And then as the early church is starting here in the book of Acts. And so we're skipping ahead. We know the Holy Spirit has come. The church has started. They're out on mission. And now... Excuse me, the church is growing by leaps and bounds. And when a church grows, we've experienced this, there can be some hiccups along the way. And we experience that 
in our reading today. The church is growing and the needs are increasing, and we pick it up at the beginning of chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Rumblings of discontent. Can you just, everybody just humor me for a second? What would that sound like if there was a lot of rumblings of discontent? A lot of moaning and groaning in the church. Just give you a a picture of that. Everybody just kind of rumble for a while. Oh, yeah. You're really good at that. That's kind of scary, right? Yeah. Sounds like getting out of bed in the morning, right? I don't want to, right? Rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. That happens here all the time, so get along. Um, Saying, this is their issue, saying that the widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So this was a big deal. So first of all, I love that the Bible says there was rumblings of discontent, right? I mean, this is the first church ever. They're in the Bible for pity's sakes and they don't even have it figured out, right? The church is a few months old and they already have issues, right? So that should give us uh, a little, ease our stress a little bit that when you look around and you realize, oh man, this isn't a perfect church either. They weren't perfect then and we're not perfect now. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not sitting in it right now. I guarantee this is not it. We're kind of stuck with each other. There is no perfect church. You are stuck with the imperfect people sitting next to you. Turn to the person next to you, kind of give them a little elbow and say, you're stuck with me, baby. Just tell them that right now. You're stuck with me, baby. We are. They had issues then. We've got issues now. The church is imperfect because people are imperfect. Some of you really, really enjoyed that, right? You're stuck with me, baby. They've got some struggles. They don't have enough leaders for all of the the new believers, all the followers of Jesus. So what do they do? Verse 2. So the 12, meaning the followers of Jesus, called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, verse 3, brothers select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. Let me read that again. Well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. So just a side note here, some of you ladies are like, what? Why do they just, why do the men get to have all the fun? In those days, in Jesus' day, it was a patriarchal society, meaning that the men were kind of the head of the household and they were the head of society. And so they tended to be more educated. And so that was the reason that at this point they were still looking to men. But later on, and we're going to read this in a few chapters, women play a vital role in the early church and are some of the best leaders in the early church. So you're not out of this at the moment. It's just the, it's just the dudes that are getting selected here. But men who are well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom, but this really can apply to all of us. But since it's Father's Day, I just want to ask you this question. Well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom. How many men do you know like that? Honestly, how many guys in your life do you know that would be described like that? For that matter, how many women do you know that are well-respected and full of wisdom and the Spirit? And since today we want to celebrate all guys, I just want to ask that specific question of men today. How many guys in your life, how many men around you do you respect, not just because they're older or they have some title or position or something like that, or they lord it over you, how many men in your life do you simply respect and look up to because they just ooze the spirit of God? Because they have this wisdom, they have this depth, they have this maturity about them, and they're full of the spirit. And if they're full of the spirit, we read later on in Galatians that there's fruit. There's effects of the Spirit. When the Spirit is evident in your life, it produces fruit. Just like an apple tree produces apples, that's the natural outcome. natural outcome of being a man that's full of the Spirit is to be a man filled with love, help me out here, joy, peace, 
patience, goodness, kindness, all those fruits of the Spirit down the list. How many men do you know that are like that? I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just saying how many men would you describe like that? That's the kind of person that they were looking for that day. The truth is, when I talk to a lot of people inside and outside the church, you ever heard this phrase? I hear this said a lot. A good man is hard to find. And I'm not just talking about like dating or marriage. I'm not in a relationship sense. I'm just talking about men that are full of character and integrity. Do you know any guys like that? Are you on your way? Are you on the journey? And better yet, guys, I want to challenge you and speak specifically to you this morning for a second. If you were among the pool of potential leaders there, would you be able to stand up today and say, yeah, that's me? I'm not perfect, but are you a man that's full of God's spirit today, full of wisdom and worthy of respect? Good men are hard to find, and for that matter, good dads are hard to find, aren't they? Good fathers are hard to find. Now, some of you are here this morning with your families. You're here with your dads, and you're excited for uh, whatever you're going to go eat for lunch after this or wherever you're going to go and be together as a family, and that's awesome. That is a gift from God. Cherish that. And if your dad's not here today, call him. If they're still living, call him. Write him a letter. Celebrate Father's Day in that sense. But the reality is, for some of you, it's a great day, and for some of you, it's a really difficult day. And every year around this this time, you're really not looking forward to this weekend. Because the reality is we live in a broken world where unfortunately the image, the perfect image that we have of what father should be has been tainted by earthly dads that have maybe been distant for some of you or unavailable or maybe even hurtful. The exact opposite of what we just read about in Acts 6. We live in a broken world where even the best men, even those men that are sitting around you this morning and the one that's speaking to you, are broken and are messed up and imperfect because we're human. And that's why we had a whole workshop last night on fatherlessness, and we had people meeting and talking about how this affects youth today and kids and how so many kids are growing up with not just a father in the home, without any, any male role models in their lives. Good men, good dads are hard to find. And so let's just be honest about that this morning. We don't have to you know, shove it under the rug and pretend and put on our smiley Christian faces and pretend that everything's okay. This is a really hard day for some of you because you've lost your dad or you're a father that's lost a child or you have, there's tension in that relationship. It's a really difficult relationship. Or maybe for some of you, you've always wanted to be a dad, but for whatever reason, you've been unable to do that. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, what kind of emotions you come in, but God does. And he knows that you're in the right place this morning. So I want to encourage you today to not to check out just because you're not a dad or because you're not a guy. And some of you ladies are sitting out there going, I don't want to be a real man, so this sermon must not be for me, right? I want to encourage you not to check out because the reality is all of us have a father. Every single one of us are kids, not just of an earthly father, but of a heavenly father as well. A good and loving and faithful father. Do you know that? God's not like the second option of your earthly father. He's plan A. He's the perfect image of a dad, of a guy, of a father. And yet for some of you, when I say that, that God is your father, you're like, I don't like that analogy because that image has been shattered for you. And what we do as we experience hurt and pain and disappointment over the course of our lives, what we do is we take those images of how fathers have let us down and we slap that label on God 
as father. And then we just start saying things like, well, my dad got angry when I messed up growing up, so I'm guessing that's probably what God is like, and unintentionally in our own mind, subconsciously we say, well, when I screw up, God must be so angry with me. Some of you grew up with the exact opposite. You grew up with fathers that were absent or maybe passive. They were just soft and passive, and nobody ever taught you how to be strong, how to be intentional in your life. And so you must assume, well, God's just must be weak and passive. Whatever it is, whatever experience that you had with your father, if your dad was absent, then maybe, well, God's left you. Some of you feel so distant from him today. Well, it's because that's the image of a father that you have. But God's word is clear. Every single one of us has a heavenly father in God that is the perfect image, that is everything you've ever wanted in a father and more. And the really good news today is he's not looking for perfect men and women. He's not looking for some perfect image. He is looking for men and women who will allow themselves to be fathered who allow themselves to be fathered in a way that you never have before, regardless of what your relationship was like with your earthly father, even if it was great. There are things that we were meant to get only through the intimacy with our heavenly father. He wants you to learn how to be a man or woman that is, like we read this morning, full of the spirit, full of wisdom and worthy of respect. Men and women that can be used by God. So how do we get there? Because some of you are saying, like, I don't feel like I'm there. I, I wouldn't necessarily volunteer for that role. I'm not ready to step out and do that. But God is looking for this morning for some men and women to step up and to say, yes, that's what I've been called to do. So the question is, how do we get there? Well, the invitation is this. On this Father's Day, God is offering every single one of you, men and women alike, to the men he is offering you the invitation to sonship. Some of you are like, what? Like, I... That's weird. I've never heard of that before. If God's our father, that makes us sons and daughters. And he's offering you sonship. And he's offering you as women to live into the reality of being a daughter of the king. And I'm not saying that's just flashy, churchy language. I'm saying that is the very foundation and the root, the core of your life that everything else is based on. I wonder if we wouldn't do half the things we do if we knew who we really were. And that we had nothing to lose and we had nothing to prove. And if you knew that you had a father in heaven that is the king of kings and you don't have to perform and you don't have to impress everybody, you can simply be who God says you already are. And when I say he offers you sonship or as a daughter of the king, that applies whether you're 13 or 33 or 73 this morning or on either end of that spectrum. God is offering you that and he wants to give you that gift. Ephesians chapter 1. I was reading through this, and I've read this passage so many times, but it just caught me as I was preparing for this weekend. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 4. First, for he chose us, meaning God chose us as his kids, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And then look at verse 5 up on the screen together. Let's read this nice and loud. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. And maybe, maybe you've thought this, but I always, I always thought that maybe God was some sort of backup plan. Because growing up, like, I had a good dad. I was a pastor's kid. I couldn't have asked for better parents. And yet I looked at some of the other kids around me and said, they didn't have such a good situation. So I always thought, oh, well, God will just kind of swoop in and be their father. 
And that's just for the people that are really messed up, you know, not us. Just the people that have real issues. They need God to come in and be their father. But if you look at this, the scripture says, no, before the creation of the world, before the fall, before any relationship with your earthly father was broken, plan A was for God to be your father and for you to have an intimate relationship with him. It brings him great joy to be your dad. It brings him great joy to father you. So this was never about having a perfect dad or pointing fingers today or judging or saying, well, my dad did this to me and so I'm just going to play the victim. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with you being man enough or woman enough and it has everything to do with the fact that you were never meant to live life alone. Do you know that? And yet we do. So often we live life alone. We don't always live like it's true. And instead of living like beloved sons and daughters, what's the opposite of that? We live like orphans. We don't really have a father that we know that is with us and is going to take care of us and provide for our needs. A good, strong, loving, faithful father. Let me just do a little test here. Maybe you've never said any of these phrases out loud, but have you ever thought any of these things in your mind, particularly when life gets difficult? You ever thought this? Or caught yourself thinking inside, it's all up to me. I'm a new dad. I'm a new mom. I just got a new job. I'm a new grandparent now. Struggling to make ends meet. I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. I don't know where my next meal is going to come from for some of you. So it's all up to me. I got to figure it out. I got to, anybody ever thought this? I got to be the strong one. I got to, you don't say it. But a lot of you are saying, i got to be Superman for my kids. i got to be Superwoman for my kids. And you put so much pressure on yourself, and God says, I never asked you to be that. God says, I'll be the strong one, and in your weakness you are strong. You ever caught yourself saying this? I'll never, I'll never feel like I'm good enough. Young parents maybe feel that just a little bit. Never feel like I'm a good enough mom. Never feel like I'm a good enough dad. How about this one? Why is life so dang hard all the time? Many days, maybe you say, I feel like I've got more questions than answers. Why do I always feel behind? Anybody feel behind? <laughs> like your to-do list never ends, right? If I'm honest, maybe some of you say this, if I'm honest, on the outside, I'm strong and put together, and on the inside, I'm a mess. <laughs> like if the people sitting next to you today really knew what was going on in your life, they'd be like, Pfft man, you really need to be here, right? But we've already established the fact that none of us are perfect. I got really good news. If you've ever said those things, you're not alone or thought those things. So many of these questions are just the tip of the iceberg. They're symptoms of a much deeper, a false reality that we call fatherlessness. And I'm not talking about whether you have a father or not or whether he's still here. I'm talking about your relationship with your heavenly father, which is way bigger and just as if not more important in your life. It was never meant to be that way. Every single one of you has the invitation today to be fathered. So what I want to do on this Father's Day is I want to walk us through just three quick examples or three ways among many that I believe that God wants to father you, that God wants to come alongside you, whatever season of life you're in. We never stop being God's kids, right? We never grow out of this. We never grow old for this. Three ways, three gifts that God wants to offer you and ways that he wants to father you this morning. 
And so we're going to start out. The first one may seem a little obvious, obvious, but is one of the crucial aspects of parenting, of fathering, and that's bringing us to maturity. Everybody say maturity. 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 Bringing us to maturity. It's what the author of Hebrews writes about. Let's read this uh, up on the screen together. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Everybody say maturity. 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 Taking forward. What is the most natural thing to do? Those of you that have had children or watching your grandkids grow up or watch the kids run around here, what's the most natural thing for kids to do? Besides be a little sassy sometimes. Grow up, right? We expect our children to grow up physically, but yet we don't always think about that spiritually. To be a man or a woman, but the reality is when it comes to our faith, we can grow up in years, in physical age, but never actually grow up spiritually. We can be spiritual adolescents and adults on the outside. And often as adults, we see spiritual growth as optional. But can you imagine, and just go with me for a second here and humor me a little bit, how ridiculous it would be if we did not grow up in other areas of our lives like, oh, I don't know, kindergarten or preschool or any of those things. I'm just reminding you, it's okay to laugh in church. Take a look if you never graduated from T-ball. Let's take a look. Is your faith still in T-ball? Kind of begs the question, right? Spiritual growth seems optional, but we look at that and say, that looks absolutely ridiculous. And I love what he says. Why do something hard when you can do something easy? Because that's called growing up, right? That's how we grow. As you look back on those times in your lives, God is wanting to mature you even in the difficult times. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, to the church in Corinth, he says in verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I remember when I was in high school, and I really looked up to my youth director uh, that was at our church, and I was struggling with some stuff, you know, guys struggle with stuff in high school, and I just remember this moment, we were outside playing catch outside my house, and we were talking about some, some habits, some ugly habits that guys have, and temptations, and things we struggle with, and I asked about it, I said, how did you get over that? How did you grow in that? And he just said, I just realized it was time for me to grow up. It wasn't like, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to be a better guy. He just said, at a certain point, guys, it's time to be a man. And I'm talking, I'm talking about being a man. I'm talking about being a man in God's eyes and moving forward into maturity. And so I want to challenge you this morning, men and women alike, what areas of your life is God challenging you to move out of T-ball, <laughs> to move on to maturity, as Paul says here? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's that anger issue that you've had for years that just pops up again and again and you just keep shoving it down. Maybe it's... <laughs> Stopping being so lazy and, and, and you pursuing your spouse. Guys, you've stopped dating your wife after you got married. Move forward into maturity as a man of God. Maybe it's stopping the comparison game and looking at everybody else around you and saying, I can't possibly be okay unless I have their life. Because I look on Facebook and I see their marriage and I see the way that their kids act and the kind of life that they have and there's no way I could possibly be okay because you're constantly wrapped up in this comparison game. And God's saying, that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to be you. Time to grow 
up. Maybe it's finally learning to do your budget and handle money God's way, learning to save and learning to tithe, learning to give. And yet I keep going down this list, and yet some of you are saying, geez, John, wow, that's a bunch of stuff I got to do to be a better Christian, right? That's not what I'm saying at all. That would be orphan thinking. That would be thinking, I don't have a father. Here's more things I got to do to earn my love. But do you know this morning that you already have it? You already have your father's love, and you can't earn something that you already have. And so the father is just saying to you this morning, instead of coming with more guilt and shame this morning, nobody needs that. And more condemnation. It's like, like a good father, God's just coming up to you in a spiritual sense this morning. And he's just putting his hand in the small of your back. And he's saying, immaturity is that way. Who I've created you to be is that way. And I'm just going to put my hand in the small of your back and say, let's go. It's time to grow up. Spiritually. You can grow old and never really grow up. And maybe he'll just come around to you and decide and say, you know what? I think it's time you decide to find some new friends. Men that have decided to be men instead of boys, even in their 30s and their 40s and 50s, there's a lot of men that are walking around out there, but they're boys on the inside, spiritually adolescent, and that's not a condemnation thing, that's just a reality thing. Have we grown up spiritually? Maybe for you as women, it's finding some women in your life that will challenge you and will, and will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. And just go along with you and grumble and complain. Maybe it's finding some, some strong women that can mentor you and, and coach you. Some of you are, there's certain areas of your lives or ugly kind of habits that you have. Things that you do and you just pass it off and say, that's just who I am. That, I've always been that way. No, you haven't. That's who you've decided to be and who you think you are because that's the way that you acted in high school or college. And it's just never changed. God's saying, that's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. Whatever it is, God's saying it's time to grow up. I love how Proverbs 3 puts it. Proverbs 3, verse 12. Let's read this together on the screen. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So many of you are probably looking at a verse like that going, yeah, that's right. That's the quintessential parenting verse, right? I'm going to go discipline my kids and you should listen to me. You know what? That's not what Solomon's talking about here in Proverbs. We're God's kids. Meaning that verse applies to all of us. You don't stop maturing even as an adult. And nobody knows that better than a guy named Matt Diggs. I don't know if any of you have been following the College World Series or not, or college baseball or anything like that, but it's been some pretty exciting games. Uh, God's team, the Hawkeyes, made it pretty far, almost to the World Series, so uh, it's pretty exciting uh, as well. just like to slip that in there once in a while. There's this coach named Matt Diggs, and he's the coach of Sam Houston State uh, in Texas, and uh, they lost. They almost made it to the College World Series, which is like the pinnacle of college baseball, and they almost made it, and yet they lost. And so you would think in the, in the press conference afterwards, they would just be moping around and down in the dumps, and man, my, my baseball season's over, and for a lot of parents and kids, sports is life. It makes a terrible idol. It makes a great hobby and a terrible God when we treat it like that. And so you would think that life would be over. What you don't know about Coach Diggs is that several years ago, he was the coach at Texas A&M, and he got fired. He was at the top of his game, one of the winningest college coaches in the country, and he got canned. And so you would think, right, I'm just going to mope around and be bitter. And when life throws you a curveball, you can get bitter or you can get better, and you can grow from it. And that's what he chose, and he got this new coaching job. And as you watch this press conference, ask yourself, is this guy a young man 
Or is there some maturing going on here? Let's take a look. It's family, you know. For years, I was a transactional coach. What can I get? What can I get? And uh, when you get fired, it humbles you. I spent 430 days outside the game. Everybody asked, uh, you know, you were here with the Aggies in 2011. No, I wasn't. I was fired. And uh, I just sit there and watch the Aggies play. And God has brought me full circle and changed my life. I was dead, and he saved me. And so I'm a transformational coach now. It's not about wins or losses. It's about love. It's about building men, building relationships that will last forever. I got a second chance. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. We're about building people up. You know, it's not Mission Omaha. It's Mission Build and Save Lives. And that's what we're in the business of doing. That goes on for four or five minutes, and he just keeps sharing how God has changed his life. And this is live on ESPN on a national broadcast. How cool is that? Do you notice? I don't know about you, but did you see the kid sitting next to him? And if you watch the rest of those press conferences, you can go on YouTube and watch them. There's a, there's a time that they let every single one of his almost top players talk, and every single one of them uses this language. Coach Diggs has been a father to me. I've never had a, a father like him, which just goes to say that fathering does not just have to come through your biological father, that any of us, particularly those of you that are in the second half of your life that are thinking about just kind of putting your feet up and coasting, this world is desperate for mothering and fathering in a spiritual sense. And God's calling you to get in the game. You'll notice for him this shift has happened. The guy's not in T-ball anymore, is he? This shift happened where he grew up, and when he faced those obstacles in his life, he moved from complaining to ownership. He moved from consuming life to taking leadership. He moved from worldly success to eternal success. And as a middle-aged man, God needed to grow him up. And he accepted the challenge. You never outgrow the need for fathering, and now he's fathering those other men. And I look at that, and I think, that's Acts chapter 6. Now, there's a man that I would follow, wouldn't you? And it does have every, anything to do with like being a man's man and being a tough guy. Nope. He's pretty dang vulnerable. He's pretty dang weak. Maybe that's maybe what more of a man looks like. A man that's humble and that's surrendered to God. Full of the spirit, full of wisdom. God wants to father us. But you're not going to get to the place where he was unless you're willing to ask for help. And that's the second piece. God doesn't want to just mature us, but he wants to guide us. Everybody say guidance. 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 That's the way that God wants to father us as well. As we enter into adulthood, and when you're between 18 and, and 25, let's say, in that snapshot of life, you're asking some of these questions, and then as you get older, the questions change. How do I know what college to choose? How do I live out my faith at college? How do, you, how do I know what job to take? How do I know if he or she is the one, right? Followed shortly after by how do I even begin to understand a man or a woman? They're driving me crazy, right? 
And then, how do you raise a kid? How do you find your calling in life? How do you lead a family? How do you lead a business? And then as you move into retirement and as an empty nester, you might be asking, how do I finish well? And how do I move from success in life to eternal significance? We keep asking these questions and we never outgrow the need for a father. When life throws challenges your way, do you freak out and complain about it online? Do you just start becoming a worry wart? Or do you turn to your father like he's right there beside you? I love what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Let me guide you, God says, even if that means letting me guide you in the relationship that you have with your own dad or as a father that you have with your own kids today. Here's the good news, and I want you to hear this today. Because you are a son or daughter of the king, because your identity is found in him and not in what other people say or what things has happened, that means that ultimately your identity is not defined by your past mistakes as a parent. Some of you hate this weekend because you think that you are disqualified from being used by God because your kids messed up. Or some of you think, I don't really like this weekend because I don't have a relationship with my parents and I can't forgive them. And so you're just holding on to that. And you know when you harbor anger and bitterness in your heart, it does more damage to you than the person that you're angry with. And so maybe God's calling you today to let it go and to forgive and let yourself be healed. You are not disqualified because of the tension or the difficulty in that parent-child relationship that you have today or in the grandparent-child relationship. You are not disqualified. You may be a product of your past, but you do not have to be a prisoner of your past. Just like the coach. I'm a second-chance guy, and I bet if he was honest, he'd say, I'm a third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh-chance guy. And that's called grace. And you can be a second-chance guy, and you can be a second-chance gal because of the grace that's being offered to you today in Jesus Christ. If there is pain there today, don't ignore it. Enter into it. And know that God is putting his hand in the small of his back and saying, let's work through some of that baggage from the past. And because I'm your father, fatherless day, father, father's day never has to be fatherless again. For all of us. And some of those the baggage and those wounds don't leave just as you get older. You heard that phrase, time heals all wounds? No, it doesn't. Jesus heals all wounds. So let him enter into that with you. Let him guide you through it. Your father wants to guide you. It reminds me of a quick story as we close here today that several years ago, well, many years ago, I was probably like, I don't know, eight or nine or so when my brother was uh, 10 or 11. And we took a family trip up to southern Minnesota and my dad planned this trip and we were going to this resort on the Root River. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but not exactly uh, paradise up there. The hotel that we stayed in, where we stayed, was in the bottom of a barn, which my mom was just thrilled about uh, to stay there for a week. And so one day my dad says, okay, here's the family activity today. We're going to go intertubing down the Root River. Anybody gone intertubing down a river kind of like this before? Ever gone that? Rapids or anything like that? Okay. So I don't know what was going through my mind, but I just freaked out. 
I got so scared. Uh, somebody told me last night that they've been to the Root River and it's actually about three feet deep, like it would come up to here on me. But I was freaked out because it started out like that and I'm, I was convinced the entire time it just ruined my whole trip and I was freaking out. I was convinced there was going to be a waterfall. I think I'd watched like the last of the Mohicans or Robin Hood or something and they just like went over the waterfall. I'm like, this is where it's going to end. I'm nine years old. Nine-year-old pastor's kid dies on the Root River. Like this is going to be the end for me. And I, I just missed the whole trip because I was so convinced. And my dad tells me to this day, I just kept saying, John, it's going to be okay. There is no waterfalls here. It is southern Minnesota, okay? It's farmland, okay? You are not going to die. And he just kept saying over and over again, John, trust me. Trust me. I know what's ahead. And some of you live your entire life like that, or you have. And because you're so worried about the what if, what if, what if this happens? God, I don't know if I can trust you, that you're missing the joy that he has right in front of you. You're missing the adventure. And God says, let me guide you through that. You can come to me. James chapter 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who generously gives to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the next time that life throws you a curveball, think about, do I have a father that loves me, that's with me? Yes. Am I thinking like an orphan or am I thinking like a son or daughter? Which at the end of the day is easier said than done. If it was easy, I probably wouldn't have just preached an entire sermon about it and we wouldn't be talking about it here in big kids' church. And yet this might be the defining reality for some of you, the third and most important vital gift that God wants to give us as Father, as you might have guessed it, is his unconditional love. Like that he really loves you, and I don't want you to go one more Father's Day without knowing what the Father thinks about you. And for that, it might be important to see what God the Father thinks about his son Jesus. And there's this short little story in Matthew chapter 3 at the beginning of Jesus' ministry where John the Baptist is in the Jordan River and Jesus comes, and he asked John to baptize him, and it says, as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And you could just insert daughter in there as well. With, with him, with her, I am well pleased because everything that God believes about his son Jesus is true of you today as well because you have been adopted into God's family. With them, I am well pleased. Another translation says, all my delight rests on him. Do you know today that you're God's favorite I, like, I, some of you are like, I get it. For God to love the world, that he loves everybody, and I'm just a face in the crowd. You're God's favorite. And all his delight rests on you. Because in that moment, Jesus gets from God what every single one of us needs. Affection and admiration. Affection meaning I love you, and admiration meaning I'm proud of you. And if Jesus needed to hear it, then maybe we do as well. You're his favorite. 
He's so proud of you. And so I got two questions as we close. Do your kids know that? When's the last time that you told your kids, whether they're 3 or 13 or 50 or 60, when's the last time you told your kids that you love them, that you're proud of them? Maybe today's the day to make the call, to let them know that. Even if it's awkward, even if it's you're not a touchy-feely family, maybe today's the day. And secondly, I just have a feeling today, some of you never got that from your dad. You're like, I don't believe that because that's not the image of father that I have. I got some really good news for you today. Your heavenly father wants to step into those gaps and step into those places where you feel weak or vulnerable or where there's unbelief that you don't really believe that he's proud of you. And God says to you today, I am so proud of you. I love you so much and all of my delight rests on you and my challenge for you today. You want to be a real man? You want to be a woman of God? Let it all the way in. Because you can't give away what you don't have. And if you're going to do that for your kids and your grandkids, it's got to overflow out of you from a heart that's filled up, that's delighted in by God's love. God is still looking for men and women who are full of the spirit and wisdom to make an impact. And how do we get there? We let God father us. So take a step today. Don't just say, oh, that's, John, I got the touchy-feelies today. That's really cute. That's really nice that God wants to be. Just take a step today. Do something about it. Make the call. Write the letter. Maybe, guys, for some of you, find a group. We have men's groups. We got women's groups. We got couples group. Find a group. Join a life group today. Find a mentor. We have a men's leadership team here at Hope Des Moines that leads our ministry to men, and they would love to talk with you. There are guys that are farther on their journey that if you just need somebody to talk to, let us know. Write it on your card today. Take a step. Step up as one of those men today. Be a man of God. Make the call. Invite God to heal, to forgive. But it starts with knowing that you're loved. And so that's what we're going to do today. In a second, I'm going to invite all of us to stand. And similar to what we did on Mother's Day, I feel like the greatest gift guys that I could give you today is not a tie or a flashlight. If you get that today, that's great. Uh, That's awesome. Or a buffet. I think the most important gift that you could ever have on Father's Day is the blessing of your Heavenly Father. The same way that he came and spoke those words and that truth over Jesus, that's what we want to do for every single one of you today. So in a second, I know this is kind of weird for some of you and prayer is a new thing that you're getting used to, but uh, in a second, I'm going to have all of you stand. And when you do, uh, ladies, I'm just going to ask you to, uh, if, if you're sitting next to your spouse or a friend or a family member, if you would just, if you're comfortable, just place a hand on their shoulder. And then those that are gathered around, if you could just find any guy and make sure that you at least stretch out your arm towards them if you're not directly next to a guy. Uh, they don't have to be a dad. This is for all guys. We want to bless today. Uh, if you're not next to one, just stretch out a hand and make sure every single guy has somebody praying for them. And we want to pray a blessing over you today. So let's stand together. So if you would, just stretch out a hand to some guy that's next to you and not the guy uh, next to you. Uh, Place your hand on their shoulder, and we're just going to pray a blessing on every guy. So just everybody, just stretch out a hand to anybody, the closest guy next to you. Everybody has somebody praying for them. So Father, we come to you today on this Father's Day.
And we know that there is a lot of hurt and there is a lot of pain in this room when it comes to our fathers and our parents. And yet we know that you step in, God, that you're not plan B, you're plan A. And that you want to have a relationship with every single one of us. God, we thank you for our fathers. We thank you for the gifts that they are to us. We thank you for goofiness and fun and joy and all the things that dads bring to this world. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to model what a real man is, what it means to be surrendered, what it means to serve and not lord that over anyone, God, but to be the servant of all. So Jesus, we thank you for the role model that you are and the way that you humble yourself, the way that you love us so well. So God, we invite your healing. We invite forgiveness to win the day. We pray that those wounds from the past, Jesus, that you would enter into those today. And we know today and we claim that promise that because you are our good and perfect father, that Father's Day never has to be fatherless again. So we pray for each man here today, God, that they would be rooted in their identity in you. Not in what the world says about them, not about what any woman says about them, not what their past says about them, but who they are in you would be the foundation of their lives. We pray that they would be rooted and confident in that. God, we're excited as you raise us up and mature us as men and women of God that tomorrow and this week, this city will be different because you send us out. That as we've come to church, it's time to go be the church. And I pray that we would be mature men and women of God who are full of the spirit and full of wisdom, worthy of respect. That we would be those types of people, that we would truly be the church. God, thank you for your love for us as Father. We receive that. We let it all the way in. God, thank you for Father's Day. Thank you for your love. We pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. If God's stirring something up in you and you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. Go be the church.